Hey, welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things that we think relate to you and your one and only life. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah Inman. I'm joined, as always, by lead pastor and co-host of the podcast, Brett Nicholson. Hi, Sarah. And uh, you know, I was just thinking, uh, the last one I said I just got back from vacation, you yeah, had two. That's true. And I was just sitting here thinking, I think it's worn off already. <laughs> <laughs> didn't take long. Because, yeah, has that happened to you? I mean, it's, mm, No, I enjoyed it. I think because yeah. I didn't go anywhere, really. It was nice oh, okay. to just kind of... Shut yeah, my brain my down for about a week. So. I came back to a pile of work that had nothing to do with yeah. my work here. It was work outside. It was in my home and, and also doing another thing. And so, um, yeah. So, but other than that, I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Same here. And we're joined today by Joy and Travis Howard. Guys, thanks for joining us today. Yes. Thank you glad for having to be here. Us. Terrific. And then um, we want to get to know a little bit more about you guys, hear a little of just your story and just learn um, with you. So, but first Brett, just give us a little, um, highlight of what we've been doing on the podcast. Yeah. What we've been doing, we decided to do, uh, this series called racism, uh, listening and learning. And, uh, that's pretty, it describes it pretty well because just as that conversation has been highlighted all summer, uh, what we wanted to do is use this forum to, uh, talk to people that, uh, have just unique, uh, uh, experiences of those things that maybe some of us have not. And so we can increase our understanding. That's been the goal. And we've, uh, we've listened to people from different sectors. We've business and and church and a police officer and and others who have come in to uh, just share their angle on it and among other things so we'll talk to you personally but also uh, the Howards are both educators in in our community and we'll let you tell us more uh, about that if you don't mind one's at USI and one is at Dexter uh, school and uh, so uh, we'll all, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, racism in education and those things but also yeah just uh, tell us something about yourself and, um, you know, how you grew up and a little bit about uh, your, your relationship together and everything else. All right. Uh, my name is, uh, again, Travis Howard, and uh, I'm currently uh, serving as principal of Dexter Elementary School, an awesome school there on the uh, east side of uh, Evansville, and a great faculty and great staff there and great kids there. They are truly, truly amazing. Um, and I've uh, been married to this lovely lady here for a while now. I'm not getting to the Pacific years <laughs> because she's going to hit me because um, I think it might be off a year. I think it's 15 years. And uh, we have three awesome You think boys. it's 15 years? Yes, okay. sir. Left, well, so. Go ahead and confirm that. <laughs> Joe, is that it? Is it? Yes, we're getting Well, she hesitated too, so to okay. To a, a change. Fifteen-ish. So. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, it's been um, it's been an awesome awesome marriage. And um, we have three, three boys, 13, um, 11, and 8. Uh, Jonas, Micah, and Kyson. Right. And uh, they, they love football. They love trading football cards. Uh, they now are into fish. And uh, and uh, they uh, actually love Montana. Into fish or into fishing? Into both. Actually, yeah. Actually both. Yeah, both, we, okay. Yeah, but we uh, went fishing in Montana a lot Ooh, uh, oh, with the summer, yeah. and they really that's, enjoyed it. I so, bet they did. Yeah, yeah that's like fun. a whole different level. Oh, a that. whole different it, level. Yeah, bet. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. To fish on beautiful, the beautiful lakes and rivers. Yeah, it's, it's, absolutely. Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty amazing. But um, so, yeah, so, uh, you know, we're just trying to uh, – be planted in Evansville, and uh, and that's kind of when we came back. Uh, we were here for a, a couple years, and then we moved back to South Carolina okay. for for one year, and gotcha. then came back. And oh, so this okay. is our kind of our second stint in Evansville. I got so, you. Now, yeah. is this where you met originally? We met in South Carolina. We did. Oh, you we met in South Carolina. In, uh, okay. Yeah, Winthrop University. Right. Yeah, go ahead, my love. Winthrop. Well, my name is Joy Howard, and um, we've been in Evansville for since 2015 um, when I got a job at USI. So mm -hmm. I'm an assistant professor of education at USI. So, yeah, 
God has brought us here um, to, to work and to live and um, be in community with the folks here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's where the education thing obviously makes its way, and you're a professor of education, so uh, uh, that gives you a little bit more expertise than me, or especially Sarah. Yeah, definitely uh, that, not yeah, me. That's right. Yeah. Thanks, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just had to point that out. Yeah. I don't know why. You're probably more educated than me, though, in, in other areas. So, I'm. Uh, so we want to explore that, but we also kind of explore things, you know, personally. And we've asked each person that's come uh, to come on to just share their own personal experience of racism, but also as a couple your interracial couple so uh that's that has its own angle which i didn't uh didn't figure out to joy told me we're talking on the phone and she goes by the way i'm white and then i was like oh okay well i didn't know how to respond to that but i i didn't necessarily know that because we hadn't met face to face and so but that adds its own angle to this entire discussion that i'm sure you have stories maybe some you can tell or some Maybe not, yeah. but, but Travis, I'm going to start with you. Just kind of growing up, we've asked uh, many, like, what was your first memory of experience where you were like, okay, uh, that was that was racism right there? Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, I, I thought about that question, and uh, and I would say, as I think about how my mom raised us, she did an excellent job. She really protected us and, mm-hmm. and really um, not kept us in a bubble, but really just tried to allow us to understand that, you know, we were great. We were awesome. We were going to college. We had all the skills necessary yeah. to be successful. So even in the midst of experiencing some, uh, some challenging things in regards to racism, I'm just thankful that, you know, I had a, a mom and a, and a family that just said, regardless of what you're going through, uh, you know, if you got God in your life, you, you can, you can make it happen, you know? And wow. so just so very thankful to, to have an upbringing like that. Yeah. And uh, so in the midst of all of that, you know, in facing some challenges, uh, I was able to just have a really good, um, I was sustained, you know, mentally, you know, because uh, of, 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 again, my mom's upbringing. And so as I think about just one particular story, um, I was in fifth grade and I was up for, uh, uh, I think a big award, you know, the best fifth grade boy, you know, you had the you best know, fifth best grade fifth boy grade was yeah, the award they it, gave it out. It was a thing. It was a thing. <laughs> wow. It was a thing. Okay. Times have changed. Yeah. You can't Apparently do that anymore. So. Okay. That's right. Best fifth grade boy. I forget the name of the uh, best fifth grade boy. Oh yeah. Of the exact award. Right. But, uh, I remember, uh, I lost it. I, I did not win it. And uh, after I real after I got the news, my teacher, who was an African American uh, lady, she uh, you know took me took me you know to the side and said you know you you said and she said that I did not get it because the 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 librarian, you know basically preferred white boys over black boys. Well, she you just know, said that she to you? did. My teacher, she oh, sure did. Yeah, and okay. and at that moment, I really did not understand the totality of that. Right. You know. And I think she just was maybe just trying to share some insight to as to maybe why I didn't get it. Uh, but even in her role, she encouraged me um, because in my yearbook, she put, you know, when you when you become governor of South Carolina, I'm a vote for you. You know, <laughs> so uh, so I think that was her way of just trying right. to protect me and shield me. Sure. You know, and even yeah. in the midst of that, I didn't understand all what that meant anyway. Right. It, it happened, but I didn't understand it fully. So you didn't understand you know? it. So you didn't stand there and get angry or anything. You were just like, yeah. okay, that seems a little strange, but that's I'm going right. to be governor. So. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, so yeah. So, so those were just, you know, again, I, and everybody has their stories, but uh, I, I'm, I tend to more focus on uh, what people did to help me through the journey. You know, I had yeah. many, many white teachers who encouraged me and who gave me 
the tools I needed, the extra study time, all the different things that I needed to be successful. And, uh, and one gentleman in particular, uh, he was an African-American gentleman. His name was Anthony Graham. He was one of my high school assistant principals. And, man, he just took me under his wing, huh. and he made uh, college become a reality. He just grabbed me down. He grabbed me in the hallway one day and just said, boy, who are you? Brought me in his office and just mentored me for the for, for about two years. And he would call colleges. Wow. He would call colleges while I was in his office and say, hey, I had this guy. He wants to be a teacher. What scholarships are you going to give him? And uh, as a result, I had two scholarship offers, you know, so. So, you know, again, we can focus on those on those challenging things, but I, I sometimes want to focus on the positive things that, yeah. that that people have done and and how God has used people to just propel, you know, propel my life. And sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you did, because yeah. that whole thing I was whining about being over my vacation. I yeah. don't think I am. I'm, I'm all excited to it, be here. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Now, that's really, really, really. Is that one of the reasons you went into education yourself? It, it, well, yes, because I saw yeah. the power of just how one person, if they take an interest in you yeah. and if they see you as fully human, see you as someone that has unlimited ability, man, what, what can happen? And so, and I, and he gave me a, a, a kind of a spotlight into how that could actually happen. And right. so it was, it was cool. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, enjoy. I, I don't know if you can out cool that. Uh, <laughs> <Probably> <laughs> I'm not. give a little bit of your background and, and then, and also being white, but also then uh, you two meeting and deciding to get married. And, and if you don't mind sharing kind of what that journey was like and uh, how that played out on the issue. Yeah, so we'll kind of tag team the story a little bit. So I grew up in San Diego, California, which okay. is a very, you know, multiracial, multi-ethnic, multilingual environment. Mm -hmm. um, and so my upbringing was very much more um, like a colorblind mentality, yeah. uh, if you've heard that buzzword. Oh, sure. um, and so just really thinking, you know, race, racism, doesn't really matter. You know, we kind of made it through the, the civil rights era and we're good for the most part like right. schools are integrated and you know good to go so um i moved to south carolina at as travis said uh to go to winthrop university on a softball scholarship in 1997 um and so that's where where we met um and just to put it in a little bit of context without going in too much depth in the into our story um the confederate flag was still flying mm -hmm. above the state capitol building during right. that time um right around the time that i started college actually um sort of little known fact to a lot of people uh loving versus virginia was the court case that um didn't allow for us to be married um, in racial couples in, in 1967, but it was still on the books in South Carolina. Oh, wow. um, and, oh you're kidding. Really? Yeah. And, and in many states in the South. And so in 1997, when I went to college, South Carolina voters um, voted, mm, should we leave it on the books or not? And um, so 32% of the voters voted, we should probably keep that. 32%? <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, um, that that no. no this this should never happen right okay. so so that's the sort of historical context that I walked into and I was like you know coming from San Diego like where you know everybody's just kind of you know doing sure. life together and then all of a the sudden there's this very stark black white you know segregated spaces in the city and confederate flags and it was this new context of what, what is this was that something you became highly aware of or yes. was that something okay yeah wow. in in a new context of 
not realizing that that was still happening, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of my little bubble that I grew up in. So did you discover that as, okay, you're dating and you're thinking, Hey, this, this is a possibility. This, this might be the one, you know, and we, well, well, we go through that. (laughs) Yeah. We, uh, we met in education class and, uh, and I somehow finagled to try to get a phone number and, uh, (laughs) and we went to a, a Clemson football game. And, uh, man, I tell you, it was instant, instant, you know, instant love. And we had a great time at the football game. And, and really, I mean, it was immediate. It was an immediate connection. We knew pretty immediately that, you know, it was a serious, a serious thing, you know, in terms of our relationship. And, and uh, both of us was, uh, we both of us were living for the Lord. And just God just was truly in our relationship in a very powerful way. And in the midst of that, um, I, uh, you know, still, you know, kind of, had some had some racial things going on on campus in the sense that we were one of the only I guess interracial couples on campus that were actually walking together and and holding hands and and, and kind of doing some of that you know and so that was a lot you of didn't pressure. know that law was on the books maybe oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, and I yeah it yeah just it was just illegal yeah, it, it was, sure. technically right. you know it right. wouldn't have been enforced but right still, right sure but, yeah. you know but it was still there yeah so, uh, so anyway, so, uh, so that was some pressure there, you know, you had sure. looks and you had, you know, people asking me questions and all, you know, and all of that. And then, um, I had one of my best friends at the time. And again, I'm only 19 years old. Uh, one of my best friends at the time said, you know, Travis, you know, I know you want to be a teacher and you may be a principal one day. And he said, if you continue to date interracially and, you know, date this, this white girl, uh, he said, you, man, you're going to be blackballed. You're not gonna. Wow. You're not gonna get a job in the South. You can just hang that up. And so, if you think about that in the context of a 19 right. year old, I'm like, oh, <laughs> hey, listen, man, I just want to be normal. I don't want to, you know. Right, I, sure. Yeah. And so, uh, so kind of with the, that pressure and with all the different things that were happening, I, I broke up with her. And oh, I said, really? I did. Okay. I, I, so, and I, I and I said, you know, I just can't. Oops. I don't think I can take the pressure <laughs> of having this weight on me. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a lot of weight. Yeah, you know, and, and and so as a result, I ended the relationship, and it was very, very, very challenging. And then I let her take over from there. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a great so, story. Yeah, we we've been told we should probably make a movie at some there you point, go. Um, or at least write a book. But um, so uh, we broke up, and I, you know, as we were dating, I just was fully convinced, like this was because I had no plans to date. Uh, I, you know, I was just doing college and just, you know, going to say, what do you want to do with my life, Lord? You know, and um, then this guy walks into my life and it was just very obvious that this is the one, like several things happened where um, that it it was just like, this is, this is the man you're going to marry. And so when we broke up for that reason, I was devastated. Um, And so I, I really had to start coming face to face with the impossibility of, my colorblind um, outlook wasn't wasn't matching up with right. the reality, and because I knew we never had a fight, we never had conflict between the two of us, um, and so it racism was much bigger and broader and deeper than I had ever been trained um, right. or, or or imagined that it was, and so I had to go after 
what do I need to learn? What questions do I need to ask? What, what am I missing here in thinking that racism is a conflict between two people, you know, or, or just prejudice alone? It's, this is not a problem um, between him and I, this is a much larger, larger issue. So it, it, spurred a series of questions and and pursuit educational pursuit for me of i need to figure out what race is what racism is what institutionalized racism is and and i need to start asking those questions on my own um and and do a whole lot of learning um and so we broke up for five years um five years mm -hmm. oh and dated other people i like this um and and took different routes i moved back to california um actually was engaged to somebody else um and um and he was dating someone else um long story short because i don't want to dominate the whole thing with our love story um five years later uh we ended up i I ended up breaking off with my engagement and we ended up getting back together and um and really uh, you know coming back together and uh, ended up getting married within within a year, and and then moved back to South Carolina after we got married. Yeah, so. and I, I just I think I would like to add uh, to that story. Um, God really showed me um, some some very powerful. Um, I call it his. He, he gave me a commercial. <laughs> you know, when we uh, when she when she, when we started talking again, um, I had an experience where God just really kind of kind of downloaded some things in my life. And uh, one of the things that he said was, he said, hey, that's, that is your wife. Joy is your wife. And then he gave me Romans uh, 12 and 2 about just not conforming to the world and, yeah. and been having, having a renewed mind. Yeah. And then uh, he also just basically, you know, told me just you cannot worry about what other people are going to think about you. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, so and I have truly lived off of, you know, that, that experience with him you know, uh, since, uh, I still live off that today in terms of what I know to be true, that, uh, we just have to have renewed minds, you know, and that we just have to listen to him. And I believe I've listened to him because my life with her has just been such a blessing. And I'm thinking, man, if I would have, I could have missed this, this because of somebody else's, you know, beliefs or, or or whatever, you know what I mean? And um, so I'm so thankful that, uh, God brought us back together, and so thankful that I, that I listened to to the words that he that that uh, that he gave me. So you got back together, and uh, has has life struggled in that area for you once you did get married, and you've kind of traveled through life? Whether I mean, uh, has that been a kind of constant s- struggle, or has it been not not as bad as you thought it would be? You know, I, on my end, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a blessing. Uh, I, I think because, you know, when, when God puts two people together, he knows what he's doing, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm one of those people that believe that God has the one for you. Yeah. And so when he, when, when you are with the one that you're supposed to be with, then even the challenges, you know, don't seem as difficult because you're doing it together, right. you know? And so in the sense of just kind of being black and being white, um, I think, you know, I think culturally, 
you know, we had to learn some different things about each other uh, and just even, you know, operating with family and, and, and you know, and, and, and some of that is, you know, kind of was a challenge just because, you know, her being introduced to my family and, and vice versa, you know, there's some different challenges with that, right. you know. Um, I think one of the things that we talked about uh, was just, you know, uh, we had, I had some family members to pass. Uh, my grandfather passed away, my aunt passed away and, and, uh, and so, one of the things that she was just not used to was that we we helped with the funeral with the cost you know that was a big oh, okay. yeah with the cost of the funeral <laughs> right. you know um because you know just financially we just you know did not have the funds for someone to have all the 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 things that you have to cover your you know sure you know the, the you know the your, the death and everything. So, uh, so that was one of those things that, uh, we kind of, you know, as a little story, but yeah. So that was just a brand new thought when we were, you know, first married <laughs> and didn't have much money. And then, you know, that, right. that happened. And so, and the, my version culturally, but also racially, which are two different things, um, uh, it was you inherit money <laughs> when someone passes there's an inheritance sure. you don't pay right you know and and it was like what's happening and you sure. know and reconciling the the racial narrative around um you know death and inheritance and 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 those kind of things um is absolutely a racial story right. um that we had to work through yeah. I, I had a couple questions i would ask you joy is you're even you're saying that and you we're exploring a lot of this stuff in um, late 90s, kind of early 2000s. What's that conversation look? Does it look different at all from when you were exploring and kind of understanding new things then? Or is it similar? Do you mean for me personally? Yeah, for you personally, but even what you, when you were exploring at the time, mm-hmm. um, and now people are exploring maybe the same questions, maybe for the first time, because things have just, you know, maybe risen up, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, from some terrible situations, but obviously we hope some things change from that. Do you feel like those same conversations are still there? Or do you feel like it's gotten better? I think they're still there. I think they've been there since the beginning of, of the country and they, they're now rising to the top. And mm-hmm. I think we, we're having these legitimate conversations yeah. um, that is oftentimes, especially in the white community, uh, um, very hushed and very well, but that's not something we have to deal with. And now we have to deal with it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I see hope there. Um, I, I, there's kind of a, you know, a little bit of a, of a pause of don't, you know, think everything's going to change overnight because we didn't yeah. get here overnight. But um, one of the one of the hopeful um, things that I always like to tell my students, too, is racism is learned. So it can also be unlearned and we can learn how to do better. Um, so I think there there's That's hope good. in that in that sense, because no uh, babies are not born with a racial lens. They they acquire it because they're taught. Um, and so there's hope in that because you yeah. can you can learn to do better and be better. And, and you said earlier, um, growing up, uh, you kind of were in this colorblind mode mm-hmm. and people talk about that. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Because I think that's something I've heard even some people still trying to figure out, like, is that okay? Should I think this way? Should I not think this way? Mm -hmm. Like for you personally, as you were 
thought that way. It sounds like maybe not so much now, but. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> definitely but, but not now. Kind but of giving some context to that because yeah. I think it's something people are still processing. Um, so I think in those, in those five years that we had broken up, um, it, it was, you know, God works in, in his own ways. Right. And, um, I would have been unprepared for having an interracial family being the mother of three, um, uh, black mixed race boys if I had continued to hold on to this colorblind mentality and which would require me to say when they when they face racism oh it probably wasn't that oh you're probably making this more than it needs to be you know and and really listening and and really being watchful and mindful and 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 even you know in our own families or in you know comments that we make or whatever really you know constantly exploring those questions of mm-hmm. is this is this situation because of race or racism is this place that we're going to this store safe are there signs i need to be what like that that boys is not a, a probably a safe person because they're wearing that symbol or you know have certain words that they're going to say and, and teaching them, you know, how to, how to be safe and being mindful. And also, you know, saying sometimes I'm going to miss it. <laughs> sometimes I'm going to be blind, be blinded because of my own whiteness, because it's, it's not directed to me personally, but I still, when, when anyone in my immediate family feels it, I got to listen and I got to pay attention and not just say, that's probably n- not it. Um, so in those five years, I think that was really important for me to do my own preparation and sort of soul soul searching right. and and relearning so it's not all his <laughs> responsibility to teach me you know um that's good and and having to do you know I went back and got my master's degree in policy studies and language and cross-cultural education oh wow um and then eventually got a doctorate in social foundations with a focus on race and racism. Um, and wow, education. you liked him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that question that I said, you know, earlier of this, this racism thing is much bigger and broader than I, than I thought. Um, and I, and I've been troubled by that both personally and professionally ever since of this is not as simple as we like to make it where it's just two individuals who maybe don't like each other. It's so much broader. And so that, that question has perpetuated so many questions, um, in my life professionally as well as personally. So, um, so, you know, what I want to say is in our conversations at home, it races a constant part of how we, you know, if, if things come up for the boys at school or, or if we have, you know, certain spaces that we're traveling to or, or whatever the case might be, we don't, um, avoid the conversation. We just go after it. And, and, you know, I mean, and sometimes, sometimes we have misled theories about this, this person said this or, you know, whatever, but, um, so we're learning together, but we're never avoiding the topic, which is essential. Yeah. I'm laughing because, uh, one of the funny things in, uh, in Montana, when we go down there, you know, uh, my in-law stay in a town of about 800 and I think there's only one other black person in the whole town so when I visit I'm the second one in the town <laughs> and so what I tell the boys is hey guys when we go anywhere mom is like top dog she just always goes into stores first she always starts the conversations you know yeah, so that's it's, right. a, it's, it's a joke sure. but uh, but 
but that's something that I have to, you know, we, we right, I, I yeah, talk to them about, absolutely. you know, because I think it's, it's important that not that the space is unsafe because I believe it's a safe space, right. but in that space, I just said, Hey, I think it's just time for her to kind of take the lead a little bit and, <laughs> and kind of go from there. And so uh, just some of those little small nuanced things. Uh, yeah. You, you better know? believe it. Yeah. Now, now considering you've got your personal experience and this is still kind of informed the question, but uh, you're both educators uh, just from different angles. One and uh principal of a grade school and then and then you're in the, uh, in the university setting so in in the plainest terms do you see racism within education and if so uh, how does it express itself how, you know it, and, and it may be completely different in your from your different vantage points but uh, if that's a fair question to ask if you could speak to that that yeah. would be you can start um in so many ways I mean I think that you know um we'd love to believe that everything's equal, you know, when, when schools were integrated, when, when schools were desegregated, I would say, um, that they were truly integrated, right. And everything was an equal playing field, but we haven't arrived there, um, yet. We, we hope to, but we're not there yet. And so it plays out in, in terms of school discipline, the data is there to support across the country. Um, you know, the, if you've heard the term school to prison pipeline or school prison nexus, as I would prefer, um, you know, school discipline in terms of um, expulsion rates and suspension rates are um, there's there's disparate data in terms of um, along racial lines um, right. of the types of punishment and the reasons for punishment um, of, of expelling children from school um, which has um, exponential ramifications when kids are kicked out of school what happens right. um, to them so so this is a, a, a national and local issue that we're we're addressing. Um, I would say also curriculum, um, what things get taught, what things don't get taught, and whose perspectives are driving, you know, the great books that we're reading, or, um, you know, whose version of, of history uh, are we looking at, mm -hmm. and, and, and things like that, um, or, or language that's used in, in school and preferred language of what, um, what good writing sounds like, or, or speaking in, in classroom, you know, in the classroom context of um, using, for example, African American language, or using, you know, Spanish or or a different language um, in the classroom, um, being associated with intelligence or lack thereof, right? So, in multiple different facets of education, what gets celebrated and awarded versus, um, you know, disparaged as not being good enough. Yeah. One of the, the reasons why I became a, a principal was when I was a, a PE teacher, um, I remember reading um, educational leadership. It was an article. And uh, now this is pretty common. But to me, it was just groundbreaking research where they were talking about that prison systems, uh, particularly I think the states were Florida and Virginia at that time, uh, that they were using the, the, the test scores of uh, second and third graders to determine how many jails they were going to build. Um, and man, after I read that oh my goodness. research, I, I, I said, wow, I, I have to do something, something about this. And so yeah. that kind of propelled me on my journey to become a principal because, you know, at the building level, principals can impact, you know, instruction and impact school culture. 
And so that has kind of driven my work and has always been in the background. And if you look at the test scores of second and third graders, some of the standardized test scores, you'll find out that um, African-American students are at some of have some of the, the, the lowest pass rates, not as a lack of ability, but just for a whole variety of reasons. Right. Um, but with that being said, I wanted to go and, and be a positive impact on 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 that work right. and um and so uh, and as i'm doing some of the research that i'm doing now in my doctoral program um as we think about you know black boys in particular black males you know research points out that you know uh, sometimes educators have lower expectations for african-american students some the research points out that uh, sometimes african-american students don't get uh, the same positive reinforcement and, and instructional feedback that maybe some other students get. So um, all of that kind of goes into uh, the role that, I, that I'm trying to play, uh, not only as a building administrator, but even as a scholar to try to, um, you know, figure out ways to uh, impact that in a positive way to kind of reverse those trends. And it sounds like you're the guy to do it too, just with, with your background, with your attitude. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's a journey. From, from the time of your entry, and uh, into professional uh, educating and, and until now have you observed you observed some of these things and this is ongoing research you, uh, you noted yeah. that you're in a doctoral program now have you seen progress have you seen things that cause you to go okay we've moved the needle even if a little bit we have a little bit or are we going backwards yeah you, you know can say one way or the other yeah no okay. you know I, I try to look at it um, through the lens of honestly just individual children because I mean, it's too it's too big in, in, sure. in scope, you know. So in my role as a principal, and I think my role as a scholar, and this is where you know my wife as a scholar is. I think she has this large picture. And now that I'm kind of in my doctoral program, I'm kind of getting more into you know this kind of bigger picture realm. But she is you know the author of, author of. 15 plus articles, you know, in, 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 in national publications. And so she can, she can reach a scholarly audience uh, where again, I am kind of boots on the ground working with kids every day. So I try to look through the lens of just the every day. I try to look for that, that good thing that happens that that's moving the needle forward, you know, because there are good things that are happening, you know, in schools uh, around, uh, you know, just not only black kids, but you know, all kids deserve a, a, good, a great education and they deserve to be seen as fully human. Mm-hmm. I think that is the thing that if I were to really, and my, my passion is just to see a child as a fully human being capable of great things. And, uh, and at the end of the day, that's what the goal is, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then Joy, you know, speaking to it from your angle with, uh, I don't think we added at the beginning that you had uh, 15 plus uh, published articles. Probably but, more uh, than that now. Out of that, I mean, have you seen from your entry point to now, has there been progress? Are we sliding backwards? Are we about the same? Mm, I, well, I don't do... Um I don't do like large scale data. I do what's called qualitative research. So I listen to people's stories and, and do observations, that kind of work. So, um, so I am interested in like finding those, those glimmers of hope 
and and um, and stories of success. And I and I think, um, you know, there's pockets of of hope and change. And and um, like I said, if we can learn <laughs> certain ways of doing it wrong, we can also unlearn and, and learn how to do better. Yeah. So I think there's opportunities. I think one um, really important thing in in this work, just personally, spiritually, professionally, is as Travis said, um, looking and intentionally staying focused on the hope, right? Because it, because while there's this data to support, we're not doing well, (laughs) we need to be doing better. Um, really focusing on, okay, where, where is it possible? You know, who, who's doing the good work? What, where are those black boys and girls achieving at high levels in their reading scores or in their, you know, scientific experiments or whatever, like what's happening differently in those spaces and how do we need to emulate those things? What, what are we missing in sadly the majority of classrooms um you know and 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 so how do we learn from the experts what what are the those expert teachers those expert principals doing differently um and so looking for moments of hope and 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 examples of joy um not not my name joy but like (laughs) you know i didn't enjoy if i'm honest with you yeah and, and, and learning and excellence um, and, and what can we learn from, from those things? And I think, too, just, you know, I think the, you've probably heard the phrase where uh, when people talk about not having your zip code be the, the deciding factor on, on, your, on the type of education that you will receive. And so if we look, you know, if we look at across the United States, I mean, it's, you know, you can kind of look at any city and you can go to the the night schools and you can figure out where those schools are versus the maybe the struggling schools and see where their see where those schools are located within the city and you can kind of go and 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 be able to to, you know can kind of tell what what school would be considered the the good school or the or the school that is of needs improvement and those kind of things you know so as long as the zip code is determining the quality of education i think we have a problem yeah yeah so I'm, uh, and, and we, we talked about this before that we have a predominantly white audience here and, uh, and, and I, and I think most, if not all of the people that would even t- listen to this on purpose because they want to grow, they want to learn, they want to, uh, be a part of the solution. But with each we've asked, okay, in this area, okay, I, what can I do? Is there anything that I can, uh, do in my life or a direction I can move or conversations that I could have that would help in any way what would you recommend just based on your experience based on your education background or whatever yeah um well i think first of all i think kind of piggybacking off of that off of my previous comments about just schools in general and not and not judging schools just based upon a a a grade that is determined by a standardized test score you know before we you know say hey that's a that's a bad school. How about go go visit that school? Maybe go volunteer in that school. Maybe see that teachers are working their behinds off in that school to try to meet the needs of a community that has diverse needs, you know, versus a school that might not have as much need, you know. Uh, so that would be one. Just kind of before you go and have that perception, maybe try to go in and actually help volunteer and, uh, and kind of broaden your conversation. Um, again, I go back to um, having conversations like this and, and not being afraid to uh, tell your truth 
um, because a, a lot of times we're we're frightened of what that truth can sometimes kind of bring out or the reactions that that True. truth can kind of bring out. So, but it's okay. Just have the conversation, and if if you and that person, uh, and, and I just from the from a religious standpoint of view, or not religious, but from a spiritual standpoint of view, I just believe that the work of the Holy Spirit, man, it, it's it's just a, it's an amazing work that He's doing in us and between us, and if we just activate His power. Uh, I think some of some of these issues can be resolved through his power, not through what just what man can do. You know, I think I think we uh, I think sometimes limit uh, limit his power in our lives just through some of the things that our beliefs and our thoughts. And it's just time that we submit and allow him to do the work that uh, he says that he would do in the word. Right. He said he will lead us into all truth. And so I think that's kind of what this thing is all about is uh, really yielding to the Holy Spirit. So there's really nothing I can really tell you that will, that can help us all. I'm just, I mean, I mean, I think it's truly a yielding. And then as a result, he will then give you strategies and ideas that can move the needle forward. That'll preach. Yeah. See? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Travis yeah. Howard show. There you go. That's right. You, got, you heard it right here. You got any follow up to that, Joy? Yeah. Um, Travis said several times, um, you know, seeing children and seeing people as fully human. And one of the, the standing from early, childhood to or well yeah early childhood to today that has been constant is some version in me of genesis we are all made in the image of god and so if we really believe that then when we have differences and this this is definitely across race but it's you know across any difference if we really believe that and hold on to that and, and we're made in the image of God, then, then how can we reconcile some of these differences? How, how do I get, you know, move through relationship and in conversation with, with, um, somebody else who is made in the image of God, but we're looking at this world through very different lenses. And, and again, as Travis said, you know, letting the Holy Spirit do that mediation and, and help you navigate how to see things differently. Like, what am I missing? You know, help me understand this better. And so, um, you know, for, for us white folks, it's doing a lot of listening. Um, but, but also a lot of our own work on self and saying, you know, maybe I missed that. Maybe, you know, um, like we gave the example, for instance, about, you know, the, the funeral differences um, of, of how that plays out differently in our families. Well, maybe it's not, you know, maybe there's something more to this story that I am missing um, that I'd never considered before, how it, how it could be um viewed very differently because because of race and and what do I have to learn um and and just really asking God to to um shed some some light on that and and humble ourselves to listen better absolutely that's a great um that's a great conclusion in some ways because we uh when we first started this journey as a church uh the the passage that I pointed to is in Philippians 1 where Paul's praying for the Philippian church he said I pray that your love may increase more and more in knowledge and depth of insight and so we grabbed hold of that and made our, our prayer but then we said how do you do that well it's primarily through listening and so that's been the posture and I love your line of just humble yourself and listen and I think that's the overarching conclusion among all the different things we've 
learned from so many and from you guys that uh, that's really what it comes down to. It's not any more complicated than that. It's not easy sometimes, but just uh, be curious, listen, and again, humble yourself and be willing to say, okay, may I, I may have been looking this uh, not so well, and, and I'm going to adjust uh, how I view things and, uh, and then maybe go down to the local uh, elementary school that may be struggling and volunteer and, and uh, impact someone's life, like that's you right. said that, uh, that gentleman did for you. So that's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, and again, I mean, I said this, I don't know if I said this when we started recording or not, um, but I, some of my favorite things about these episodes are just getting to know people, and I love hearing your story, and I'm looking forward to the book or the, the movie. <laughs> right. Um, we'll really, I mean, I, I'm genuinely, um, I love just hearing, like, the information that you have, and you spent time, obviously, um, researching and continuing on in education, and um, really thankful for you guys spending some time with us today and sharing um, with our audience, and we, um, we're really thankful just for you to be able to come and share with us. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank we you. appreciate it. It's been great. Yeah, for the opportunity. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. And um, yeah, we will. um, Yeah, we want to continue conversation in in a bit, Brett. I know that you said that uh, we want to do kind of another episode of just continuing to talk even what we've been learning um, as a church. And so what I'd ask for anyone who's been watching um, through our series, anything that you've learned, email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. We'll love to read those and just kind of learn together, continue to learn together. So anything to close with? Yeah, we're just going to, next time, this will, uh, we're going to summarize what we have been through. So it would be great uh, to hear from anybody. Just uh, uh, post that, send it in on email. And and, uh, we want to summarize so we can kind of collect up the major points that we've heard. Because there's been threads uh, in everything that's someone uh, that everything that the different people have said. So that's been very instructive and helpful. And so that's our goal uh, for our next episode. Absolutely. Joy, Travis Howard, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you.